from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. The last couple weeks have been tough with my throat, uh, strained myself, and you can strain it. Your, your throat has muscles, and uh, you can strain it, and I've realized you could. I sing, and I also broadcast, and uh, the feeling of straining it is not great. So bear with me today. I may sound a little bit mellow. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll come over here like Barry White and just make it real nice in the morning for everybody. But <laughs> So I'm happy to be here with you this morning, and... A really excited uh, Thursday show, Papa Joe's Picks, college football talk with Papa Jay. And then uh, around 9.45 a.m. Eastern Time, Katie Kalinske is going to join the show with Coach McClass. And then in the second hour of the show, we're going to do the Fantasy Football Power Hour like we always do. With my guy, Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com, proudly presented by the Wildcat Sports Pub as well as the Pen and Trophy Center. So that's all coming up in the second hour of the show. It is now time to get the man on the show. Like I said, strained my vocal cords, I believe, but I'm going to do my best with this one. I'm going to say good morning to Papa Joe. It's not bad. I still got to, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to bury white this morning, Papa Joe, because I'm mellow. So I said, I might just come in and just give it to the people like this, you know, just keep it really low. How are we doing, Papa Joe? That's good. That's good. Got beat up a little bit yesterday, but I'm okay. Good for the long run. So, Papa Jay's doing good. You got beat up a little bit, but you're doing okay. What college football teams, since we, we love to talk college football, what, what teams, in your opinion, are getting beat up a little bit more than you thought they would? Uh, oh, that's a good question. I think Texas A&M had a, a good shot at the beginning of the year of, of being good, and Frankly, they're still in it. I don't know how these guys figure this in the West Division of the SEC, but they're still still in it. Um, Ohio State, with their miserable loss last week to, to Purdue, doesn't look like they belong anywhere after that game. Uh, I can't figure that one at all. You know, Penn State's still hovering around there, Michigan. You know, those three teams, Wisconsin, looked miserable too, uh, but came back strong. Uh, you got Florida, Georgia, uh one of those teams looked like they're going to take the SEC East. Um, other than that, you know, it's, it's, it seems like we're dealing with the same teams every year that deserve to get into the playoff. Uh, there are some exceptions. Uh, the people at Notre Dame think they should be involved in this. Um, I don't know about that. And then you got the Power Five. You know, you got, you got some of the schools there, UCF, South Florida, um, the Pac-12. 10 or 12, whatever they call themselves on the West Coast. I'm not sure. Uh, you got some good teams out there. It, it, it's going to filter down in the next couple of weeks. But I think the biggest games this week to talk about um, are two that really, really are going to, to affect uh, everyone's thoughts and voting rights. Obviously, the first one is uh, Florida, Georgia. Uh, billed as the world's largest 
outdoor cocktail party. Mm-hmm. And that, that is the truth because I've I've attended many of them, even though I don't drink anymore. But it's it's just fun to be around. It's it's a it's a riot. One half of the stadium, the old Jacksonville Gator Bowl. One half of the stadiums see ruby red. The other side is sea blue. So it's kind of fun to go there. And the other the next this next game that I think we need to discuss is Clemson and Florida State. This has the, this game has the potential to really screw things up. Uh, at the beginning of the year, you know, everyone laid down and said, yeah, well, Clemson's going to roll right through when they beat NC State last week very handily. But FSU's coming on. You know, I'm not an FSU guy because I can't be a Gator and an FSU Seminole. So uh, with that being said, uh, this is a very, very dangerous game for Clemson. Uh, it could throw a monkey punch into a whole bunch of things. FSU's not going anywhere this year. They may be able to get a bowl. If they win this Saturday, they're certainly going to get a bowl. They should be able to win one or two games of the rest of the year, even though they say they have a tough schedule. But those two games right there, Florida, Georgia, and FSU, Clemson, uh, we need to discuss a little bit more. So let's start with that. Speaking here with Papa Joe in Papa Joe's Picks College Football Talk every Thursday morning to start off Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. You are proudly listening on MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call DT, and you're also listening to that live feed embedded on WakeUpCallDT.com. I appreciate y'all very much. Florida is ranked ninth in the country. Georgia is seventh. You want to spend some more time talking about these, so let's let's do this. This game is going to be played at the TIAA Bank Field in Jacksonville, the home of the Jaguars. And dare I say it, Papa Joe, it'll be a better game played there by Florida, Georgia, than Jacksonville has played in a while. Oh, Jacksonville's looks awful, Daniel. I feel I feel for the team. They got some inner inner turmoil too. You got some you got some guys near it, especially on the defensive side of the ball, that want to be leaders and they want to talk. And they want to impose their will on the rest of the team, but some of the kids on the defensive side of the ball are not playing up to par. But that can be blamed on the offense because the offense isn't moving the ball, and if you don't move the ball and don't get first downs and move the chains, you got to come off the field, and the defense has got to get back on the field. And frankly, Betty, you know, middle of the fourth quarter, the guys are spent. So, yeah, I think the Florida-Georgia game is going to be a little bit more entertaining. And so this Florida-Georgia game, let's start off with the Florida Gators. Dan Mullen is in his first year with the team. He obviously has uh, worked to build this team up after they had fallen down a bit. What have you seen from Florida? Like you said, you're a Gator through and through. That's where you went. That's your connection. So what have you seen from the Gators so far? Well, I've seen a, a lot more consistency lately as opposed to the beginning of the year. Uh, Coach Mullen had to come in and and install his type of coaching leadership and his uh, his way of moving the football, moving the chains. And he's a quarterback guru guy, kind of like you know, he's really he's really tutored and mentored a lot of good quarterbacks, including Dak Prescott that is playing right now for the Cowboys. He has improved Felipe Franks immeasurably. Franks seems comfortable in the pocket. He's making good reads. He's always had a huge arm. He can throw the ball standstill 70 yards. I mean, he's he's a beast with the football. But, you know, he's got to be able to make the soft passes too, the downs and outs. He can make any throw in the field. I think Coach Mullen has improved him, and therefore 
the Gators' chances. Um, outside of that, you know, they have a strong running, strong running attack. They got three wide receivers they can count on to catch the ball. These are all underclassmen too. You know, Fleets is a redshirt sophomore. I mean, he, these guys are all freshmen and sophomores, which is why Florida only has 15 uh, commitments for next year. He's got a whole bunch of young youngins on the team. But Coach Mullins is an educator. He's a teacher first, and he's a molder of men. Uh, we realize that from the four years he spent uh, with the Florida Gators back in the late, late 90s with um, Tim Tebow and his crew. So I look for I look for the consistency to maintain. I do believe they're going to be overmatched, but anyway, uh, that that's a concise uh, recap of the Gators. And the Gators uh, have only lost one game this season. They lost by eleven to Kentucky. Outside of that, they started off the season by taking down Charleston Southern. They also defeated Colorado State at Tennessee at Mississippi State when Dan Mullen went back to the team that he was coaching. They defeated LSU when LSU was ranked fifth in the country, and they just won at Vanderbilt. The interesting story is the fact that the only loss for Florida is to Kentucky, and Kentucky has the exact same record as Florida in the SEC 4-1 and and the same overall record at 6-1. and So just to speak on that a little bit, that – Florida is snake eyes with Kentucky. The tiebreaker is the game that they lost to them. Just the irony of that, and this is how sports seems to almost always go, is that you know these here are two teams that are tied in every way, shape, or form, but head-to-head Kentucky has the advantage. Just what you think about that. Well, if, they, if both teams go through the rest of the year and uh, don't lose another game, uh, it looks like K- Kentucky would edge out Florida uh, for that Um the pundits won't like that. The association won't like. No one will like that. They would want Florida, a huge money-making university, in the in the Final Four. But you know, going back to that game, uh, Kentucky uh, controlled both lines of scrimmages uh, and pushed the Gators all over the place. It's not happening now. Although this Georgia coming up is rough and tough, but they didn't get it pushed around by LSU. And if you don't get pushed around by LSU, I think you solved your problems on the offensive and defensive lines. So uh, I, I do think that Kentucky's going to trip up. I don't think that they're that good of a team. They certainly don't have the offensive power that Florida does, nor the defensive power that Florida or Georgia has. Kentucky will probably lose, and it's just, it's going to come down to Florida-Georgia. So when we look at uh, you know where Florida is right now, you describe this team, and, and on the other side of it, they're going to have to play Georgia, where are they in this matchup? You know, to speak on the other side of it, the Georgia Bulldogs. The Bulldogs, as of right now in their season, they have only lost most recently to LSU. It seems, it seems like the roads going through LSU inside of the SEC. As far as the other team to make it besides Alabama in the college football playoff, you either beat LSU or you fall to them. But all these teams are are packed really tightly. LSU is. Right behind Alabama, they're seven and one. Alabama's eight and zero. They're four and one in the conference. Alabama's five and zero on the west side, and Georgia just lost to them by twenty points in Louisiana. Uh, very uncharacteristic of Georgia, who defeated Austin P, South Carolina, Middle Tennessee, Missouri, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. So, just what you think about where Georgia's at right now, and if this is a dangerous game for Florida because Georgia. Not only was 
second in the country ranked and, and heading toward the college football playoff. But now they have a lot to prove, and they're trying to climb up the mountain. So how scary can this game be? This is a, To me, this is a pick em game. Uh, a lot of people are picking Florida. A lot, a lot of people are picking Georgia. It's a pick em game. Uh, certainly if, if Florida beats Georgia, then uh, they're going to roll right into the SEC East title and play Alabama, presumably Alabama. Although, in saying that, Georgia is a better team. They're, they're structurally better suited uh, for the run game. They have huge offensive linemen. They control both line of scriptures very well, too. I think that Georgia's talent, overall talent, is a little bit more than Florida. It pains me to say this, but I, I you know, I don't see, I don't see Florida winning this game. I think that uh, Georgia Kirby Smart will come up with a good game plan to stymie some of the young kids that Florida has. Maybe ruffle the feathers of uh, Felipe Franks a little bit. They got a good quarterback in Fromm who throws the ball just like Franks all over the place. You know, although he's had a few uh, rough spots. Yeah, I read recently where they're going to stick with Fromm for as long as, as they can before they bring in their, their number one draft pick from the from the ranks. Uh, but uh, Georgia is tough. They're they're tough. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna ride their wave a little bit more than the Gators can. I think that Florida just just I don't think they just match up for it unless Coach Mullen has something up his sleeve, which he usually does, a fake pun or something like this, you know. He's got he'll have something but you know, when you look at games like this, uh, after the first couple of series, if you see who's controlling the line of scrimmage, both offense and defense, it's going to be a long day for the other team that's not being prepared for this. So, if you know, if you see some heggs clanging around and Florida laying on the ground and Georgia running all over people, you're going to see that uh, Georgia probably will control the line of scrimmage in this game and probably win the game, and that pains me to say that. <laughs> And speaking here with Papa Joe inside of Papa Joe's Picks College Football Talk on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora. Papa Jay, if Florida is to win this game, though, they're, they would be 7-1, and one, and uh, they, they would have had defeated Georgia and LSU, two teams that have been ranked in the top four. If that does happen, does Florida deserve to jump into the top four? I think they, I think they should, but they have some, they have some games left to play and a, a few good ones. Uh, South Carolina is always a tough game for Florida, and you got FSU. Uh, even though FSU is not in this equation for the Florida being the East Coast or the East Division champion, uh, if Florida continues playing the way they can, and if somehow they upset Georgia this week and roll through South Carolina, I think they got a cupcake in there too for homecoming. Uh, and if they beat FSU, certainly they should be. But if they lose to FSU, they're going to have two losses. And I don't, I don't know if, 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 if they got two losses and they've already won the SEC East, and they play presumably Alabama and beat Alabama, then they're certainly going to be in the conversation, even though with two losses. Did Did you believe that? You know, going into the season with Dan Mullen's first season and all the issues with you know with Will Muschamp there and everything like that, did you did you have the inkling at all that Dan Mullen was going to lead the Gators to be in a place right now where they were in the conversation? Listen, we saw him for four years. 
as an offensive coordinator. He did marvels with the, the personnel at Florida. And certainly, you know, you have to understand, and the rest of the country does too, that the state of Florida, Georgia, surrounding Alabama, it's a hotbed for recruits. And when you recruit better players at these big schools and bring in a coach that knows what he's doing, yeah, I can see some huge successes there. Although I do have to admit, and my Gator friends will also too admit, that we never thought that Coach Mullen would would be six and one. I didn't. I didn't see this being six and one. I had them losing LSU all the way around the place, but uh, I did. Uh, I, I I didn't think in a while the streams he'd be six and one. Now the wheels could co- fall off. It could be. You know. I mean, uh, these are these are kids. You know. I mean, if they lose to Georgia, uh, it's going to put a damper on them. And it's up to Coach Mullen, and he's a psych. He's a psych guy. You know. He can he can rally these kids up. They have to look look down the road. I mean, they're not probably not going to be uh, in the the four anymore, but uh, they certainly have a high bowl. But Coach Mullen does wonders. He's a, he's a wonderful man. He's a wonderful coach. And Florida can only hope for a good rest of the year uh, looking forward. They're coming from Papa Joe inside of Papa Joe's Picks College Football Talk. Papa Jay, let's get to the other game that you mentioned, Clemson and Florida State. Clemson, as of right now, obviously is uh, is doing well. They've they fought through some close ones. They survived against Syracuse at home and were able to win that game. And then I thought NC State would make it at least interesting, but they didn't do a darn thing. They <laughs> NC State lost forty one to seven in Death Valley. So if that you know if A equals B, B equals C, then A equals C. That would show that if Syracuse almost won in Clemson, and NC State got blown out in Clemson, then Syracuse should defeat NC State inside the Carrier Dome this weekend if we go by the bouncing ball, so to speak. So Syracuse facing off against NC State after NC State lost. We'll get to that in a minute. But Clemson, you know, they they played against Furman and won against them. Then Dabo Sweeney got to go up against Jimbo Fisher, this time at Texas A&M, one by two. Took care of Georgia Southern, Georgia Tech, close with Syracuse and then dismantled Wake Forest and NC State. Clemson has scored 104 points in the last two weeks while allowing 10. And on the other side of it, Florida State is in a place where they have pretty much lost one, lost one. They lost to Virginia Tech, beat beat, uh, beat Samford barely, lost to Syracuse, beat Northern Illinois and Louisville, lost to Miami, beat Wake Forest. So let's start with Clemson. Clemson, 104 points that they've scored, like I said, in the last two weeks. Ten they've given up. They've played very close against Syracuse and very close against Texas A&M. What do you think about Clemson? Well, Clemson certainly at the beginning of the year was one of the teams. I think people were already assuming that this is forget about the season, put Clemson again against Alabama and play for the national championship. It may, may turn out that way. Uh, but Clemson, see, Dabo Sweeney, he's, a, he's another clever guy. You know, he's like Mullen. He's got all these little wrinkles that he's, he thinks about, and he knows how to twist things around and everything. Uh, he handled a very, very delicate quarterback situation there and installed this freshman kid who most football people know was going to eventually start for Clemson. But this kid is this kid's awesome. I mean, he's tall, he's strong, whips the ball all over the place. Um, frankly, their win against NC State surprised me a little bit. NC State, you're right, just sort of laid down. 
Uh, you know, you go to Death Valley, there's two Death Valleys in college football. One's at Clemson and one's at LSU. And Clemson get awful out, too. That's probably what happened to them. Um, Clemson is peaking at the right time. But this, look, at they, they need to really, 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 really be careful this weekend. Florida State, if they'd have hung on against Miami, they would have won, I don't know, three or four in a row or five in a row or something like that coming into this game. And frankly, I count that game with Miami as a win for Florida State. So with that being said, going to Florida State and playing a Florida State team that's significantly better than the beginning of the year is a major concern for Dabo Sweeney and his team. And if and look at with all respect to Syracuse and the other the other teams, they're not gonna face Clemson's not gonna face the kind of athletes that Florida State has especially on the defensive side of the ball. So Trevor Lawrence, you know, he's still a freshman, even though he's a heralded freshman and has done remarkably well the last couple of weeks. Uh, you may see the old deer in the headlights when, he's, when he lines up against Florida State's defense. They're mean, they're fast, they're quick. So th- this is a very dangerous, very dangerous game for Clemson. And when we look on the other side of it with Florida State, like you said, the athletes – are there. The athletes are supposed to be strong. The athletes are supposed to be agile. Their their fourth stringer is supposed to be a starter anywhere else. That's that's always been the notion. Now, running the ball through seven games, they only have seven touchdowns. DeAndre on the ground. DeAndre Francois has two. Jacquez Patrick has one. Amir Razul has one. And Cam Akers has three. Very uncharacteristic of this team. What can you say about even though Florida State has, you know, on paper the athletes, their rushing attack has been quiet, and DeAndre Francois has 13 touchdowns to six interceptions. So they are they are on the right side of things. They did get to four wins to three losses. They are in a place right now where they're above 500, but their passing attack and their rushing attack definitely don't look like it typically does. You're right. Uh, Cam Akers is starting to come around a little bit. But, you know, one thing we have to realize is that uh, Clemson's first, their front four defense are probably all going to be drafted in the first round of the NFL. They're older guys, they're seniors, fourth-year juniors. They're mean, they're big, they're strong. So, again, you look at the line of scrimmages when they start teeing off against each other. If Florida State winds up uh, getting stuffed, on one and two yard runs and things like that, uh, you know you're going to have to see the, the game plan change uh, from Coach Stagger. Uh, you have to get maybe Francois outside the pocket, move him around a little bit. But this is this is dangerous. Akers is a top flight back. I wish Akers had come to Florida, but uh, Florida has their own back. That's good. Akers is a is a strong running back. If he can't get going against uh, the four of uh, Clemson. It's going to change. It's going to change the whole face of the game. Are you surprised that you know? I mean, yes, Clemson is undefeated, but to me, they seem like they're not as scary this year. Are you surprised by that? In the in the in the sense that they're in a place right now where you know they they are in the college football playoff. If it were to happen today, but in my opinion. But, you know, and they have, you know, their front four have the opportunity of all being drafted uh, potentially in the first round, if not the first and second rounds of the 2019 NFL draft. 
Does it surprise you at all that they have all of that in their arsenal yet? At least least for me, I I feel like they're not as scary as they typically are. Well, you could say that. Certainly there's a case for that. Uh, It's it's, it's peaking, you know. It's it's becoming the end of the year. Uh, Debo Sweeney will have his guys ready to play. They're certainly not as scary as they were last year. Uh, But, you know, perhaps maybe we could say that the parity in the ACC and even in the SEC, the parity is becoming closer than than not. Um, The Big Ten, you could probably say that, too, even though there's only three or four teams up there that actually count for anything. Uh, The ACC has always been strong. Perhaps maybe some of the some of the teams are beginning to out recruit. Clemson and bring in some better kids and the same could be said for the for the SEC uh, but the ACC is strong and Clemson deserves to be mentioned in the team they, they deserve to be there at the beginning of the year uh, even though they've had a few hiccups here coming this year uh, but they still deserve to be they still deserve to be talked about and frankly even if they lose the Florida State they still should be considered one of the top four and that coming from Papa Joe inside of Papa Joe's pick, some respect for the Clemson Tigers. I think that, you know, in the sense of the college football playoff, and that's what we're going to talk about right now here for a second, is that, uh, you know, at least in my opinion, I had this conversation with my dad yesterday, is that when I look at the college football playoff every year, unless something crazy happens, I always say Alabama has a spot, somebody else in the SEC has a spot, the ACC champion has a spot, and then there's a wild card. So even if Clemson isn't as pretty as they used to be, I think the ACC is you know, pretty much, in my opinion, guaranteed a slot to be in this thing. How do you see the college football playoff? Because I feel like Alabama can do almost no wrong in the eyes of the committee. And on top of that, you know, I think that the committee likes the SEC, and I think the committee likes – the ACC as well, and then I think the the rest of it is a dog fight between the Big Twelve, the Pac Twelve, and the Big Ten. Yeah, good uh, good point, a good question. Um, it's probably going to come down to maybe the last couple of games of the year. I I, I do want to say that the Big Ten possibly has a shot to get something in there. I think Ohio State, Michigan is going to be a super game to look at uh, later on. Uh, both of those teams should be considered. Uh, Wisconsin. Even though they had a hiccup, they're they're still running and they're good. Penn State. Um, it's hard to say uh, what the committee's thinking. You know, they look at strength of schedule, they look at the strength of the conference, and certainly they look at dollars. Look at the four teams that go to play. They're, they're all going to be top dollar schools. Uh, every one of them. You know, their gross income. I looked at this yesterday. I looked up the top twenty-five earnings of the top the top schools. All of the SEC schools were in there except for two, and there were seven from the ACC. That doesn't leave a lot of room for the rest of the teams, Ohio State and so on. So you're looking, you know, from a financial standpoint, you know, you're looking for those teams to make it. But uh, competitive-wise, it, it, I don't know if Oklahoma could be mentioned in there. You know, I mentioned Texas A&M earlier. I don't know how they could be qualified either from the SEC, the SEC West. Oklahoma certainly should be uh, considered uh, their quarterback is uh, Kyler Murray is just lighting things up. The West Coast, you know, over here we don't get to see these guys that much. 
I don't see Washington or Oregon or USC, the rest of these teams. I really don't know what they're about. So I am, I just concentrate on what I know about and what I read about in, in, in this, the East Coast. So I'm, I'm still looking at the four teams that are star powers that can be legitimately inserted in there because of one-loss records. And certainly Alabama and Alabama and Clemson belong there. Coming from Papa Joe inside of Papa Joe's Picks College Football Talk this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Papa Jay, before I let you go, let's hop in uh, really quick here to the Jaguars before we make our college football picks for the weekend. And we talked about it a little bit. Uh, Blake Bortles got benched last week. They, he was he was asked to take a seat at home on my birthday. Apparently, they didn't get the memo that it was my birthday. And <laughs> And they uh, lost the game 20-7 to to a Texans team that barely won in Houston the week before against Buffalo and needed to intercept the ball with under two minutes to go to win that game. So they win this one 20-7. The Jaguars have not been able to move the ball. The defense has given up 90 points in the last three weeks, and the offense has scored a mere 28 points, seven points to the Cowboys, seven points to the Texans, and 14 against the Chiefs. You and I have defended Blake Bortles since his institution into the NFL in 2014. I am struggling to defend him right now. Where do you stand? Well, I still like him. I still like him. I still think he's uh, he's a big, tall, strong quarterback. Runs the ball when he has to. He's got. A, he just makes all the throws. For some reason, things aren't computing for him lately. Uh, he's shown star power on some occasions. And then he just lays some eggs, like the last couple of games. I, I can't figure them out. Uh, unfortunately for us, there's no one to throw in there. I mean, and I don't think that the, the Jaguar hierarchy are going to go out and find another quarterback. So they're going to have to go with Bortles. Uh, you know, Mazzone's got to come up with some something. He's got to come up with maybe a different game plan. Uh, you know, maybe maybe Bortles is, is is not thinking right. I mean, it's it's all between his heads. No doubt about that. I mean, he's physically he's got all the tools. For some reason, it's not computing for him. And subsequently, you wind up taking your butt, putting it on the bench. And when we look at you know the grand scheme of things, and and, and I and obviously Blake Bortles is struggling, and you know, and, and not doing what he needs to do to move the offense, but. I've said repeatedly on this show before we go and blame Blake Bortles for everything, let's look at this. Now, if you go and you look at the Jaguars' depth chart at the beginning of the season, this is how it currently reads. Quarterback, everybody's healthy. Running running back, Leonard Fournette, doubtful for this game, has not played a full game all season in seven games. Corey Grant, third stringer on injured reserve. Wide receiver, Mark Heasley on injured reserve. Jadon Mickens, injured reserve. First string tight end, Austin Safarian Jenkins, injured reserve. Niles Paul, backup tight end, injured reserve. James O'Shaughnessy, questionable. Left tackle, Cam Robinson, starter, injured reserve. Backup, Josh Wells, injured reserve. Andrew Norwell, questionable. Brandon Linder, questionable. Jeremy Parnell, questionable, which leaves only one healthy offensive lineman and A.J. Can at right guard, who's been injured this year as well. And behind Jeremy Parnell, Will Richardson on injured reserve. So I am seeing IR at every single position besides fullback and 
That's pretty much it. Quarterback. So when I read that off to you, Papa Jay, and you hear Leonard Fournette, Corey Grant, Marquise Lee, Jadon Minkins, Austin Safarian Jenkins, Niles Paul, Cam Robinson, Josh Wells, Will Richardson, and then a bunch of questionables. I mean, I know people want to get at Blake Bortles, but if you take a weapon away at every single piece of the game and you and you have almost 90% of his offensive line injured, I would venture to say that's a very hard task to be the quarterback of that team. That's true. I mean, certainly we can't blame Bortles for everything, uh, his, but his decision-making needs to come into question. Uh, as respect With respect to the offensive line, you know, it's up to the coaches and general managers. If you are real thin at these positions, then you better get your behind out there and find some players. Bring them in. You know, even though if they, they even if they, they compete at practice, and if you don't like him, let him go, and if you do, you let him play a little bit, but you know, if they need players, they need to go get them. I mean, uh, if you got a franchise quarter, even quarterback, even though he's as big as he is, you know, if he gets flattened a couple of times, his behind's not going to get up off the ground, and then you're really stuck. So, luckily, he's as big and strong as he is because if he gets nailed five or six times a game, sacked, and really hurt, then Jaguars are really in problem. So, uh, I agree with you on that. I think that's a good premise. Uh, uh, but they, if the Jaguars feel that way. If, if they think that he is not the total problem, which he's not, then they need to go out and find some better offensive linemen. That, that's the way that you trade or, you you know, you scour the, 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 the drop-off lines. Uh, you go to other guys' uh, practice squads and, you know, sign someone off someone else's practice squad. But, you know, if they need the bodies, they need to go get them. Well, and I think the, the biggest issue at left tackle is that's, that's the blind side for your quarterback. And Cam Robinson, when he went out against the Patriots, Josh Wells filled in and did a pretty nice job from out of James Madison in his fifth season. And then when he got hurt, and now he's on injury reserve, they went and got Eric Flowers, who has been nothing for the New York Giants. And, you know, so that's that's where these issues arise is, you know, it, if it's slim pickings, you still got to be smart. I'd rather take a guy off a practice squad who's unproven than a guy like Eric Flowers who's proven to me that he can't play football in the NFL, at least right now. So, you know, we're in a place where this team does need a lot of help, but I agree with you, Blake Bortles' decision-making, his fumbling, his interceptions and whatnot. So so let's discuss that portion of it, Papa Jay. Who do they go out and get? Because I got a bunch of people telling me, you know, every single day I have people saying to me, hey, Dan, because they know what I do for a living, they know me and whatnot. They say, you need to go get Eli Manning. You need to go get Derek Carr. You know, the Raiders are having a yard sale, and everybody's up for grabs, and Eli Manning is close to Tom Coughlin. What What do you think? Is there anybody out there that you think is a viable solution? No, no, they just need to sit, sit tight. You know, Kessler is, is an adequate backup. Uh, he proved that he could he could flick around, even though he, packed, he completed mostly short passes. He didn't go down the field that much. That's the advantage with with Bortles. He can go. He can he can air it out. I mean, he's got such a big arm that if he's got the wide receivers, he could still complete them. But yeah, to get back to Eric Flowers, I'm really really surprised at it's his efforts. I, I don't I don't understand how a guy that big, uh, who was a first round draft choice, could flame out like this. Uh, I don't I don't get it. But you know, a lot of the offense has problems. We know that. But one of the biggest problems that we need to discuss is is the Fournette. You know, he hasn't played at all. I mean, I, I can't remember him playing a series, a regular strip string of games last year or this year where the guy isn't hurt. 
I mean, he got to get him on the field to see what he can do. I mean, we know he can control the line of scrimmage and move the chains, but he, he is he's he could be too delicate for this game as big and strong as fast as he is. So I, I have a problem with, with Fournette also. Well, and I understand the problem with Fournette wholeheartedly because, uh, you know, Leonard Fournette is one of those guys where, you know, they obviously put a lot of eggs in the basket. They drafted him last year, and, you know, this is something the Jaguars have already been through, been there, done that with Fred Taylor. Fred Taylor injured his hamstring, and he was never the same after that, as good as he was. And, you know, now we're looking at Delvin Cook with Minnesota, Leonard Fournette with Jacksonville, both drafted last year and both being hampered by the hamstring. And if there's any injury besides tearing an ACL that's going to hold down a running back, it's the hamstring because it never seems to fully heal during the season. So, you know, the Jaguars tried Jamal Charles for a half a second, let him go. Now they're going to try Carlos Hyde, who was doing a good job in Cleveland, and I'm surprised that Cleveland would let him go. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, where things are at. Carlos Hyde's only spent about five seasons in the NFL, so – there's some there's some good that can come from that, and uh, you know we'll have to see where the Jaguars are at right now as they will be in England as we move forward here playing up against the Eagles and they tend to do well there and they tend to have a lot of fans there, so we'll see how the the people across the pond are responding to Blake Portals coming up this week. Papa J, before I let you go, let's do it really really quick here. Let's give the people our picks. I'm gonna run through a bunch of games. And you're gonna tell me who you're picking. I'll tell you who I'm picking. So there's there's a bunch of game, there's a bunch of games today, Thursday, October 25th. Baylor at West Virginia, uh, Georgia Tech at Virginia Tech, and whatnot. There's a bunch of games on Friday, Utah and UCLA, Indiana, Minnesota, Miami, Boston College, so on and so forth. But I'm gonna key in on these. We mentioned Clemson and Florida State. We mentioned Florida and Georgia. So who are you picking for those two? Well, I. Again, it's redundant, but it pains me to say this, that that Georgia is just a little bit too strong for Florida at this time. Uh, Next year could be a different different story when Mullen's been here for longer than a year. But uh, I don't don't see Florida. uh, I don't see Florida winning this game. So I got to go with Georgia. Yeah, for me, this is uh, going to be tough. I, I, I would have to. I'm going to have to lean on the side of Georgia in this one. I mean, if Georgia loses, they're going to flounder out of this thing and they got no chance. So I'm going to lean on the side of Georgia in this one, but I hope that Florida makes it interesting. Clemson and Florida State, could there be an upset? Yes, absolutely, most definitely. And I'll guarantee you that Dabo Sweeney had this game circled on his in his uh, lineup for many, many, many weeks ago. He knows the kind of athletes they got over there. Even though Taggart isn't maybe the, the top-of-flight coach that they had, should have over there, this is really, really, really dangerous. And I'm going to go out on a limb. I don't know, Daniel, you'll never probably ever hear me say this again. But I'm actually going to think that Florida State could win this game. I'm actually going to pick Florida State. Can you believe that? Well, you know, I think that Clemson's been ripe to lose a game. I think that it definitely could happen at some point. But I am going to I'm going to stay with Clemson on this one. I'm going to pick Clemson to win this game. I do think Clemson's been been testing fate a little bit. They've been rolling the die a little bit. But I'm I'm going to stick with with Clemson in this one. Uh, we'll do a couple more really quick here. I want uh, Kentucky, Missouri. Does Kentucky have any threat here on the road? 
they better look it out. This is another triplum game right here. If Kentucky wants to be uh, held in the same class as Florida, Georgia, and so on in the SEC Eastern Conference, they need to win this game. Missouri is no pushover. Although I think Kentucky will win the game, not going to be easy. I'm going to go with – see, this one's tough. I'm going to go with Missouri at home. I'm going to pick Missouri and then – We've gone opposite three for three. We have. And if Missouri wins this game, then Florida's got a line to get there. Uh, Notre Dame versus Navy at the SDCCU Stadium in San Diego. No, this is – Navy likes to control the ball. They got that triple option. If they control the line of scrimmage and rush for 400 yards, they'll probably win. But it's not going to happen. Notre Dame has too many better – too many athletes. I'm going with Navy. I'm going to go with Navy. I'm going to go with Navy in this. <laughs> I know. I'm going with Navy in this one. So either you're going to be right or I'm going to be right this week. The last one that we have, Papa J, NC State at Syracuse. Primetime game. The last time Syracuse had a primetime game on a Saturday in college football, I think I was five years old. So what do you think about this one, NC State, Syracuse? Well, NC State got their – ass handed to him last week and i i think things are going to change a lot uh i'm not sure what if if uh syracuse is going to start dungy i think their their best option is to start dungy because i think he's the nfl kind of quarterback even though in the later rounds of that uh I, I do think that nc state should prevail here i'm going to go with syracuse i think they become ball eligible in this game, and then they got their six wins. They'll be six and two at the time, and all of a sudden, they could be tied with a bunch of those teams that are at the top of the rankings with a record of six and two. So I'm going with Syracuse, and that is Papa Joe, Papa Joe's picks. Papa Jay, we went five separate, so we'll see who's smart this week. I love you. I know. I love you to pieces, and I'll talk with you soon. All right. Good night. Bye bye. Take care. That coming from Papa Joe. We're going to take a very, very quick fast break and come back with Katie Kalinske in just a moment. This is a wake-up call fast break. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvelanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortor on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. I'm hanging out here with Katie Kalinske. You know that she is with us every Thursday morning in the first hour of the show right after Papa Joe's pick. She's always a pleasure to have on the show the consummate professional, seven years under Jim Beheim at Syracuse, and now in her first season as the director of basketball ops for Buffalo's women's basketball program. Katie, how are we doing today? We're good. I'm excited to be, uh, be here this week. Yeah, and I definitely uh, appreciate having you here on the show, Katie. We are steps away from the college basketball season. How tangible is it? How real is it? How scary is it as a director of basketball ops? Where are you at right now? You know, I'm just, just trying to make sure, you know, I have all our hotels this year and our buses and, you know, I'm starting to plan out foods and, like, shoot around time. But it's a little stressful just making sure, you know, 
everything is taken care of and I don't forget anything. Is there anyone else that you can blame if you get to a city and you forgot and you like you misbooked the hotel by like a day? <laughs> no, it'll definitely fall on me for sure. So how has all that planning been to set all this stuff up and I mean, you know, going around the country and whatnot and like you said, taking a you know taking a bus instead of a plane everywhere, Just, you know I mean, how crazy is all of that? And and it does it almost become like a labyrinth or like a jigsaw puzzle? Yeah, I'm a little, what I'm most nervous about is taking um, a commercial flight because like I've never had to go through the airport like that before. So this is gonna be a little different for me and making sure a whole team has their plane tickets and their names are spelled right and their birthdays are right and making sure it's all correct so i can't imagine if we got there and someone wasn't able to make the trip <laughs> well i mean especially it, coach <laughs> i know that would be on that would be first thing on the news buffalo women's basketball team can't start can't you know can't start a best player due to director of basketball ops for getting passport or something like that <laughs> i'm laughing but it's really not that funny <laughs> <laughs> but i mean well i mean obviously i hope it doesn't happen to you but you know, you're you're in a situation though where you know you you get to be a part of this, and you know it's something new, it's something intricate, it, it's something special. How much fun has it been to step into this new role and have this new opportunity? It's just been like it's been a great experience. You know, I'm at a really great place with a lot of great people, and we have a great team of players. And you know, I'm just lucky to be able to learn from someone who's been in the business for 29 years. Um, you know, she has so much experience in all this stuff, so she's been kind of just leading the way for me, as she does with everybody else. And to uh, to shout out your coach, to let everybody know that doesn't know, to 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 give them you know a little bit of background on your coach. Oh, Katie. Uh, yeah, coach, yeah, go sorry about that. Uh, yeah. Coach Jack, she um, you know her being from Syracuse and just. You know, leading the way for Buffalo, bring them to the Sweet 16 last year. You know, she was an assistant coach at Michigan State, Syracuse, head coach at Indiana, head coach at Hofstra, you know, born and raised in Syracuse, you know, so we definitely have that Syracuse connection. Uh, you know, she, she's one of a kind motivator, one of a kind coach, and, you know, to me, she's a legend. Because she's connected to Syracuse and you're not that far away in Buffalo, does it does it almost feel like home even though it's not home? Yeah, you know, I've been to Syracuse a lot of the weekends, um, you know, before the season started. And, you know, like I said, I got to catch a men's practice. So I still get to, you know, be involved with that. And I'm going to be home the weekend of November 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, and I'll probably catch a practice then. And, you know, they, the guys start up their season tonight, which is so exciting. Um, I don't think I'll be able to watch the game. I don't think it's on TV anywhere. <laughs> yeah, so, that, so that's going to be weird for you to not to not have that connection but you know like you said you'll be able to come back and do some things which will be fun yeah on your side of it though for buffalo you know you you're traveling for the first game of the first regular season game you're going to maryland eastern shore and then just two games later you're going to oregon you'll be going to coastal carolina you know you'll be going to or central connecticut pardon me and then you'll be going to places like dayton and and so on and so forth so, I mean, you know Dayton because you were just there with Syracuse in the first four, but, you know, kind of bouncing around the country and going to places like Oregon and whatnot, just what you're excited about with that. 
Yeah, it's really exciting. It's funny because I was actually on the phone with somebody yesterday and we were talking about it's going to be weird. Like, I'm not going to be in the ACC schools anymore. I'm not going to go into the Louisville's or Virginia's or Duke's. I was like, this is really different for me. You know, we're, we're busting to Central Connecticut State. And, you know, with Syracuse, we didn't even really play that many away games before, you know, the start of the season. This year, we have only three home games non-conference, so it's going to be a lot different. Uh, in that aspect, it's just so many games we're traveling to before our conference season starts. And and being with this Buffalo team, what can you say about how they look in, in practice, how everything is is going? I mean, this is, you know, the Buffalo women's team and the men's team are both gaining respect in the here and now and in recent history. So just what you can say about, you know, the, the hopes for this season and, and the look of the team right now. Yeah, I think, you know, we're young this season. We have seven newcomers, but, you know, I think they're adapting really well to our style of play. You know, we do have some leadership on the team as well. So I think, you know, once we put all the pieces together, I think, you know, it could be another special season for sure. Now, speaking of a special season, Kawhi Leonard. I knew it. I knew you were going to start talking about the Raptors. (laughs) Well, I knew if I didn't, you were going to because I know you're a Closet Raptors fan. So, the Toronto Raptors and Kawhi Leonard have started out 5-0. and Leonard had 35 points most recently, and the team is in they're, in. they're in good footing right now. They are 4-0 at home. They've only had to play one game on the road. What do you think about where the Toronto Raptors are to start off the season at 5-0 and without DeMar DeRozan? There's some... There, and I ask you this because there's actually been some national coverage in America about this Toronto team. So just what do you think about it? You know, I think quite definitely elevates the team as a whole, you know, from its defense to its offense. Um, you know, by the way, he carries himself. So I think they're just, you know, and obviously they have a new head coach, and I'm not sure how much he has to do with it. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. You know, there's a lot of – there's time. Time is going to tell, you know, if it was the right move or not. But right now it's looking pretty good, you know, starting off 5-0. And obviously, players have changed, and LeBron's not with Cleveland anymore. But defeating the Cavaliers, the Celtics, and the Wizards is is, an, is a nice way to start the season for Toronto fans who typically see those jerseys and get a little bit nervous. So there is some positive to that. What do you think about the teams they've de- they've defeated, namely the Boston Celtics? Yeah, I just don't think Boston is where they need to be yet. You know, they, they haven't really played um, all together yet. So I think once they get together... I- I think it's going to still be Boston to come out the East. I know it's going to crush your soul, but. <laughs> it's it's okay, Katie, if you disagree with me. Because, see, for me, I believe that sometimes when somebody wishes, thinks the team is going to lose, it's it's that positive reinforcement. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's like I'm going to not pick them so that I can pick them. But here's the thing about Kawhi Leonard. And you and I have spoken about how he's a man of few words. He said after starting 5-0 and and scoring 35 points, this was his quote. We're on the right track. We've won every game so far, and we've just got to keep going. Probably the most bland you can get about anything at any point. So, and I think we lost Katie here for a second. Katie, are you with us? So we'll look to get Katie back here. Yep, we lost Katie. So we'll look to get Katie back here on the line. All right. Yeah, yeah. I was what I was saying was Kawhi Leonard, as we know, is a man of few words, and his quote after scoring thirty-five points in the most recent game and starting five and zero was, "quote We're on the right track. We've won every game so far, and we've just got to keep going." 
which I think that any person in America could realize those that statement, realize that they've won every game so far and that they probably should continue to win. So what are your thoughts on the on the massive, deep, and thoughtful analysis of Kawhi Leonard? I personally love it because he, he's just himself, and he's never going to be anything he is. And so, I mean, I, I like it. I think um, it adds character to him. <laughs> That coming from that coming from Katie Kalinsky. Uh, Katie, as always, I appreciate it. Happy that we got you on for a few minutes, and uh, happy that we 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 were able to outside of college basketball get into the Raptors because I know that you uh, you've just been desperate to talk about it. So I appreciate it, and I look forward to talking with you soon. All right, Dan, sounds good. Have a good one. All right, take care. That coming from Katie Kalinske, we're going to take a fast break, and in the second hour of the show, get your pens and pads ready. The Fantasy Football Power Hour, proudly brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pup and the Penn and Trophy Center, with myself and Mike Sofka, Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com, myself of WakeUpCallDT.com's Fantasy Football page, is here with you today to bring you some amazing, amazing content when it comes to preparing for Week 8 in the NFL and fantasy football. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. News is spreading in historic Herald Square about Syracuse's favorite sports and entertainment venue, the Press Room Pub, with lots of room next to 450 parking spots. Wash down their delicious nine-ounce burger for $9.95 with a variety of New York State brewed beers. TVs abound all throughout the location, including their 90-inch monster. Watch your game, enjoy time with family, friends, as well as bringing the kids to the playroom. The SU alumni party for every away football game is making headlines, as well as Robert Drummond, Syracuse football alum, and Dan Totoro's pregame show two hours before kickoff for every home game. Private parties available as well for as many as 300 people. Come circulate at the Press Room Pub, downtown Syracuse, and visit PressRoomPub.com right now for more information. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrySigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrySigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, command yourself to feel comfortable in DrySig Lady apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrySigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com.
This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513, or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name. So give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell him your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. I kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacting the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily, you know, we bring in local produce, we prepare to order in the kitchen, we hand bread our chicken, we hand spin our milkshakes. It's, it's great food. It doesn't taste like fast food. I think the second thing is is the way people feel when they come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. It's different. We, we try to treat people with intentional kindness here, which is very different and deeper than good customer service. And so you know, I think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And then lastly, the impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have in any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice when buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. It would be a pity if you don't shop. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your events, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. 
that coming from Papa Joe as well as Katie Kalinske. Make sure you stay tuned to Fantasy Football in just a moment on the next piece of this broadcast. 